Bizarre occurrence which occurred historically, described by the Chumash, is the destruction of an entire city for seemingly a minor offense. The city we're referring to is the city of Stoim Vamora, two cities, or five actually, which were destroyed and laid to waste because of seemingly an error in how to run a smooth society which seems a little bit unjustified. The Mission Pekka always states that if a person says Shali Shali Vishalach Shalach, what is mine is mine and what is yours is yours, there's two opinions of what that means. Either it's Midabainis one opinion in the Mishnah. The other p- opinion in the Mishnah says it's a midas stoim. It's the trait of stoim. Now, sheli sheli v'shalach shalach is something which means we follow the letter of the law to the nth degree. That's all it is. What is mine is mine and what is yours is yours. Meaning, you don't encroach on me and I will not encroach on you. There's a description of, there's a delineation of boundaries which is completely clear-cut. And that's exactly what stoim was all about. And that's why there was a prohibition against offering guests to hospitality. Because since everything was according to the law, what right does a person have to get hospitality without paying for it? If he comes into my house and he's willing to pay a fair fare for what I have to offer him, that's legitimate. But to extend an act of kindness to a person, why should I? He didn't buy it, and therefore he doesn't deserve it. Alpidin, according to the letter of the law, there is no such thing as visiting the sick unless they pay for it. Helping the poor, for sure not. And the entire description of Storm as a society was not that they were cruel, but was that they lived to the letter of the law. To such a degree that if any person disobeyed the law, even though it was to do what we would call an act of kindness, but that was punishable by death. Rashi says that what ultimately sealed the fate of Stoim was one small child, a girl, that had pity on a poor person, gave him charity, and as a result, a punishment for transgression is they got her filled with honey and she was stung to death. Now exactly why they caused that death to befall her is a separate question. But the point is that one would think that perhaps there's absolutely nothing wrong with what they were doing. One could conceive of that notion. All they were doing is they were living in an extremely, I agree, extremely loyal, uh, law-abiding, law-abiding place, whereby everything was completely governed and purely governed by the law to the degree that if you transgressed, whether it be to give more, to take more, just as bad as stealing was, so was giving. The minute you transferred any property without a legal, as it were, a reciprocal exchange, so that's the transgression of the law. All Stoim was was called Midas Hadin, the attribute of justice. And for doing that, they were wiped off the face of the world. Now this is absurd, because where does it say in the Torah that a person is obligated to transgress the law to do above and beyond, which is known as Chesed? Has it, does it say it anywhere? Is that one of the Sheva Mitzvahs B'nai Noach that they were commanded to keep? It is not. On the contrary, one of the seven Mitzvahs of the B'nai Noach is that they had to keep the laws. 
not that they had to go above and beyond the laws. So why was Stone punished? It's a basic and fundamental principle in Judaism that you don't issue a punishment to a person that hasn't been warned against that that which he's about to do is wrong. You can't hold a, hold a person responsible for transgressing something that he's unaware of. It's, it's a transgression. That's sheer injustice. In order for me to hold you responsible for your actions, I initially have to inform you of what I expect of you. Prior to that information, how can you be held liable for what you do when you are completely unaware that this was an expectation? And since there is no, as it were, given commandment to extend chesed to others, so how could the entire people of Stoim be held responsible for the actions to the extent that they were punishable by total and utter obliteration? Question number one. Question number two, the generation of the flood. The generation of the flood, who were also wiped out, destroyed, not only were they destroyed, again, the entire world was destroyed. What did they do wrong? So granted, one of the things they did wrong was stealing. Now it's a big question if they were commanded not to steal or not. Let's assume that there was a commandment not to steal. The other, the other thing that they did wrong, which it says on, the, on this was sealed their den as well. Their law, their, their punishment was sealed for this. The other thing they did wrong was they did act of immorality and they destroyed they destroyed their seed now the destruction of a person's potential to reproduce is never spoken about even in the trade that we have it's not discussed explicitly why would the people of the Doya Mabo be punished for doing something which was never told to them that they shouldn't do seems absurd and another more pertinent example is the case of Amoin and Moab. Amoin and Moab, these two great nations that saw the people of Israel coming out of the desert, having experienced the splitting of the seas and the miracles of manna and the well of Miriam, and they are held accountable for the fact that they did not welcome the Jewish people with food and drink. Why should they? The Jewish people were fed and given an endless supply of both food and drink. So what was the claim against Ammon and Moab? To the degree that Ammon and Moab are deprived of the spiritual potential to be able to enter into the people of Israel for eternity. No Ammonite or Moabite is ever allowed to convert to become a Jew. They can't do it. They're not accepted into the people of the, the Jewish people. How can it ever be like a punishment that is in other words such a severe spiritual punishment there's no chuva. No Their misdemeanor was so great they committed something which is so abhorrent that they exclude themselves through this act from ever becoming accessible to the Jewish people. It's astonishing. And what did they do? Well, they didn't give them food and water, but they didn't need it. Why should they have? And who told them they needed to? So we have these example after example, and we could go on. Avimelech. Avimelech and Sarai Menu. Sarai, Avram Avinu passes through the town of Avimelech and they say, who is this woman? He says, she's my sister. So Avimelech says, well, she's your sister. 
bring her to my castle, and I will marry her. Avimelech then has a prophecy, and he's taken to task for seizing Sarah. Avimelech, who is then the representative of morality, says back to Avram Avinu, why didn't you tell me she was your wife? And I wouldn't have touched her. And Avimelech is punished for touching her. But why? He acted from a lack of knowledge. What was he meant to have done? So what Avram Avinu says back to him, he says is that when a person comes to town, what do you ask him? Do you say, do you need somewhere to eat, somewhere to drink? Or do you say, who is that woman? Your mother, your sister? Your wife? You ask the wrong question. Since you ask the wrong question, you're punishable for it. Because it shows where your priorities are. But one second, who told him? Who, that's a very subtle thing, excuse me. Who told Avimelech about that? Someone informed him that that's a kind of appropriate etiquette or that's the appropriate way of expressing yourself? All these things lead us to believe that there seems to be some other type of operating mechanism which requires us to know that we have a responsibility to actions which is independent to what we've been told in the Torah. It's almost as if there's a in responsibility on us. We've got some type of intuitive awareness which can guide us. What we're about to enter, on, enter into is something called the exploration of the inner seichel. Every person has the capacity to access, every person, meaning every person, many, every man, woman and child alive on this planet, regardless of race, creed or color, has the capacity to access a part of themselves which can guide and direct, advise and support, provide them with clarity and vision in life, independent of any association with any type of formal religion. It's an astonishing Hiddush that a person in his natural state has the capacity to delve within and find meaning and moral guidance in every aspect of his life. How can we define those parameters and is that description a description which we feel to be true in our experience of life? That's what we'll have to discuss.